Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. The topic today, hopefully, um, (laughs) is um, contemplating the word relax and how this shows up in our life or does not show up in our life. So if I say the word relax, what comes to your mind? Anybody want to say anything? What comes to your mind if I say relax? Just the relaxing of a muscle. A sigh. A sigh. Yeah. A nap. A nap. <laughs> a very good idea right now. No. <laughs> yeah. Let go. Let go. And exhale. Exhale. Yeah. Some ease. Have, have, do we have enough of that in our lives? No. no. Generally, no. Not this big old crazy world. So I thought this would be a great place to start and um, maybe to talk a little bit about the retreat and some of the teachings that I learned on the retreat. We'll see what happens. No promises. <laughs> so, um, because I work as a, a therapist and I'm working with a lot of young adults, um, now and again I'll get this person coming in, this young adult, and you might have been this young adult or know a young adult like this, and they have like everything going for them. They're so sweet, impressive, um, lovely. And it will be a young adult, usually in college, and um, they're planning to go to graduate school or law school and medical school. And, of course, they're very aware that it's difficult sometimes to get into these desired schools. And they'll come in with depression or anxiety, mostly depression, and the story will unpack like this. Well, you know, I'm um, attending classes and I need to keep my grades up. So I have to study a lot. And then I have a job to help pay for my tuition. And then I volunteer with kids, so, or I volunteer here to help me get into graduate school. Um, and then I belong to a sorority or fraternity and I work for them. And I'm miserable all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And what the story will then unpack is how they're not good enough, they don't like themselves, they don't study well enough, they weren't effective in their volunteer position, they said something wrong. And um, every activity in their day, there's um, a rushing to the next thing and doing well and getting it done and getting it right. Or there's an aversion to I'm not good enough doing it or I don't like the people that I'm doing it with or I don't like the situation. And um, it's easy to use this as an example. And they're suffering and usually you'll see a lot of depression. Maybe they need medication. Maybe they're suicidal even. This happens all the time. Can you relate? Do you know somebody like that? Have you been like that? You know, so this desire, which is really healthy and lovely and wonderful, that propels us in life to do wonderful things and give so much, can also be um, what we call a hindrance. We've talked about that before. It can be something 
that gets in the way of being, being in calm, ease, being in a relaxed state, allowing um, and appreciating that moment. Um, so it's a good way of describing maybe or starting with this idea that uh, when we're grasping at things and pushing and demanding, we're tight and we're contracted and we're filled with stress, right? And when we're not liking ourselves, not wanting things the way they are, we're pushing them away, we're also tight and we're also filled with stress. So it's not so much what the student is doing or what we're doing, but it's the attitude with which we're doing it, right? It's the body-mind that's doing it. And I just wanted to um, explore this idea of relax in meditation, in our practice, and off the cushion in our lives. Um, the antidote to this clinging and this aversion that the Buddha talked about 2,500 years ago that lives today, right, everywhere through us. So this is Thich Nhat Hanh's uh, quote, and I'm sure many of you have heard this, but I love it. I like to walk alone on country paths, rice plants, and wild grasses on both sides, putting each foot down on the earth in mindfulness, knowing that I walk on the wondrous earth. In such moments, existence is a miraculous and mysterious reality. People usually consider walking on water or in thin air a miracle, but I think the real miracle is not to walk either on water or on thin air, but to walk on earth. Every day we are engaged in a miracle which we don't even recognize. A blue sky, white clouds, green leaves, the black curious eyes of a child, or our own two eyes, all is a miracle. So, um, so this is almost a call to relax this mind this body-mind that's going after and getting, you know, um, or pushing away what's so uncomfortable to the present moment of awareness. And the retreat um, was um, a way for me, obviously, to practice with that. Um, there was really an emphasis in the retreat on... Um, watching the mind and watching the body watching rather than getting something or doing. And this was the theme through the whole retreat from beginning to end. And, um, and it's from the teachings of Sayadaw Tanisha, Sayadaw Utanisha, who is a um, monk in Burma. He's in his 50s. And he started to uh, practice meditation in Burma at an early age, 17 or 18, with some of the um, meditation masters there. And he um, was a businessman. He was a householder, married with children. 
and suffered several bouts of depression. Even though he was quite a pra good practitioner in meditation, and um, what he says about that is that you know he was able to use the Dharma teachings and the meditation to get through the depression, but that each time he did, it came back again and it came back again until the third time where he really saw the nature of his mind to create this stress and tension, and then the focus of his practice became the awareness of the mind and the, how the mind was holding itself or ourselves. Get that, yeah? Mm -hmm. How the mind is gripping and holding. What is the state of the mind as we go through this world? And he said that was the last time the depression was there. The depression released completely. So um, very often, he says in his teachings, that, um, and we know this, we've talked about this before, it's not so new, that all of our attention leaks out through the sense doors, particularly seeing. Uh, but there's smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, the six sense doors. And that um, very often in meditation practice as well, we're absorbed in the object. And the object is anything that my intention lands on. I just looked here, it's Jane, <laughs> and, right? Or I can um, look um, around the room and I see paintings. So whatever arises in awareness is the object. The mind, where is the object? Is it out here or is it in here? Anybody want to answer? We think it's out here. But if the mind isn't registering it, it doesn't exist for us, right? Mm -hmm. if, it's, if we don't note it, it, we don't know that it's here. Mm -hmm. So objects may be out here, but they're really in here for us, right? So it's the mind that knows the object. And the emphasis on his practice is how you know the object. How is the mind that's seeing this object? And some of the um, instruction was um, not just spending the retreat sitting, focusing on the breath or on your meditation object in the hall, right? Which is what we tend to do on retreat. Who's been on retreat? All right. If you're like me, um, I don't get to go that often, right? So every minute I want to be in that hall and I want to be sitting quietly. I want the mind to be still. I have a lot of desire, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to just be on the object. I don't want my mind to wander, right? And I'm spending all my energy getting into the hall, getting my mind to pay attention to that object and not move. And if my mind does it, then I've had a good meditation and I'm happy. <laughs> and if my mind doesn't do it, I'm kind of disappointed, right? So, in this retreat, there was really an emphasis of getting out of the hall and walking around, not just in a walking slow meditation, but really opening up the senses and walking as if you're walking and doing in your life. Because the point he's making is awareness needs to be all the time, right? It needs to be steady and open. 
And he says that the problem that we have with meditation, and maybe some of you can relate to this, is we bring a lot of desire and energy into not controlling that mind so it won't move. Anybody do that? And it creates a lot of tension. And then we're tense and we don't know it. And most of the time when that happens, we say, I don't know why I bother meditating. I just can't do it. It's very uncomfortable, right? It's because we're bringing tension and a lot of tight energy to force something to happen. As opposed to seeing what's happening without wanting anything and relaxing there. So his instruction was on relaxing in awareness, releasing a desire, knowing that desire is there, and releasing and relaxing so that um, awareness is easy and natural. A natural state occurs. You're not holding that breath so much or holding an outcome so much. You know, have you ever played that, um, that game with yourself? I am a good meditator if, right? I am a good meditator if my back doesn't hurt. I am a good meditator if my mind doesn't go into my to-do list. I am a good meditator if no emotion comes up. I am a good meditator if my mind is calm and clear like the ocean. You play that game? A lot of people do, right? This is a good meditation if. And to let go of the desire to want on the cushion and off the cushion, we can have more relaxation, more ease. And we need that ease for insight and wisdom. We need that relax. So the instruction was go out, go walk around, and I, the retreat was in a um, wilderness sanctuary that was gorgeous. Not bad, right? It was really beautiful. And it was go walk around, but when you're walking, look at what the mind is doing. Is it trying to get something? Is it trying to go somewhere? Is it tense? Does it have an agenda? Is it relaxed? Is it at ease? Is it open? Right? And then when you notice an object, your eyes land on something, um, see if instead of putting all your energy on the object, look at what's looking. Bring your energy back to the awareness. So, I, and, and walk, go. And, and they really even encourage you to go out past the gates into like these wilderness areas. And you're asking me, I'm from Brooklyn, to go into the wilderness. That's, <laughs> that's already, you know, a little challenging there. Uh, so um, they actually had you go with this little pack, emergency pack, in case you get lost with a whistle, you know. And uh, I thought, well, I can always whistle. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't know where the A train is, whistle, you know. Uh, but it was an interesting thing that happened um, there. 
is what I noticed was um, my eyes would land on the wildflowers, which were just beautiful, right? And I would remember this instruction of don't just put your energy on the wildflower. Look at what's looking, right? Look at what's looking back. And something interesting really happens when, when um, we practice that way. And um, I think we're very conditioned habitually. When we see something, there's a getting and doing that goes along with it and an I and a me, you know? Um, and I want it, I don't want it. I think these things are like little natural habits like the ants that walk into my living room on a regular basis. They all walk together, they form a line, they go after certain things, right? You know, they're almost predictable. I think our minds are like that too. We're very predictable. So when you're looking back at what's looking, what I notice is the field of awareness widens and um, it's spacious and there's ease. And there's more seeing clearly because we're not thinking about it, right? The wildflower stops becoming a wildflower and it becomes something of wonder that I really don't know much about. You know, that curiosity really pops. And then the field is much brighter and bigger and there's more to know because I'm not stuck in what I know. I'm not stuck in my story about the wildflower. I'm just with that wildflower as it appears on the horizon. You know, and notice the heart really began to open, open, open. And this spacious quality really opened. And this sense of self that we walk around with and hold so tightly all the time dropped. I didn't have to be a me. It's just experience watching. And there's something so freeing and expanding about these moments. It's like somebody opened the window and the curtains of the mind. And the mind can just experience. Because right? these habits aren't there at that moment. The habits of grabbing and forming and thinking and planning and, oh, you know, um, I should pick these wildflowers and then I should dry them in a book and then I can paste them and put them in a picture on the wall and then I can send them to my sister in a card, and, you know, right? And just <laughs> next thing you know, you're busy again, right? A lot of busyness doesn't serve us, it, you know? The mind can be still, like a clear pond. In Ajahn Chah, that was... Um, one of his um, great sayings is the mind can be still like a clear pond. So another awareness in this exercise um, for me was um, there's a long walk down the road through the gates. Jane, Jane's been there with me once and then our, we, 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 Jane and I have a love for this place and we, we run there <laughs> right uh, regularly. It's called Bayasitos, and we could tell you more about it. But um, there's a river through the land, um, and it's maybe more like a stream, but they call it a river. And my mind said, my mind thought of the river, it was hot, and, and the cold water rushing through the river. And you can sit on the rocks and put your feet in the water or dunk yourself there, and the water of um, 
New Mexico-Colorado border is just so cold and pure and sweet. And so I had this idea in my mind. I want to put my feet in the water and feel the cold water, right? And so the instruction was to look at the mind that's looking, right? What's in the mind that's looking? And what I saw was this kind of grasping, this grasping into, I need that experience of my feet in the cold water, and then I'll be happy. When my feet touches the cold water, that will be happiness. And then I'll really be on vacation in New Mexico, right? I could tell somebody about that. I sat in the river with my feet in the cold water. You know, I can write a poem about that. And, and what would that feel? It would just be so great to have my feet in the cold water. And what I saw was a mind grasping at an experience. And in it was some suffering. In it was stress, right? This forward motion to get something so the next moment will be better. Right? So in looking at what's looking, what I realized, it's not the cold water that will cool my mind or create ease. It's my mind holding the cold water or not holding it. It's the relaxed mind holding the experience. The mind without an expectation, without a want, right? without a story of myself. Oh, wouldn't this be great to tell my friends about how I put my feet in the Vallecitos River, you know, and I was all alone in the wilderness, and the water was so cool, and I sat there all day as the water rushed. You know, you could do that, and people will go, oh, that sounds so great. Oh, I wish I was there with you, right? Wendy, that sounds so great. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But the story, 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 what is the clear pool, the calm mind? is the mind without the story that's just there, without the desire that could open to but not cling. So it's hard for us, Sayadaw says, for us to look at these places in our mind that are not so pretty, you know, the clinging, the grasping, the aversive places, the story of myself that I keep telling, the more stories I tell of myself, the less I'm here experiencing life. You know, am I writing a novel or am I here living it? A lot of times we're writing a novel, um, but there's no advance from the publisher, you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, right? So um, he says it's hard to look at it, but if we can look at these things that we do, not as seeing it being shame-producing, or we're not enough, or we're bad, or we're just in this bad habit mind, right? But as nature itself unfolding, that every mind wants a great experience to talk about, right? Every mind clings to the good. Every mind pushes things away. Every mind tends to fabricate stories about me, 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 you know, that are somewhat unpleasant and create some stress. And to see it as nature itself, so you're not getting caught in beating yourself up and becoming self-aversive, right? So, um, So eventually I could walk 
to get my feet in the water. But that was a real moment for me. It was like a moment like this. <laughs> you know, a moment of insight, right? It was deep. Because what I realized when I got my feet in the water, it was pleasant, but was what was even more pleasant was a mind that didn't need feet in the water or feet out of the water. It was a mind that wasn't gripping on to anything. It had ease and calm. And the day went on like that for me. It was a very sweet day, and sometimes we get sweet days, um, where the mind became very still walking around a lot, not just in the meditation hall. There's a quality of a still mind walking through the land. And I say this not from, I need to talk about myself and my experience, you know, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only one I can talk about, right? You know what I mean? Because I'm watching the experience. But um, from the fact that this is nature too, that when the conditions are right, the mind can still and be like that clear pond. And thoughts were not grabbing. They were not lasting. They were coming and going. But the awareness was wide, expansive, beautiful, clear. And the seeing, you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh said, you could see the miraculousness of each moment without a self-story. Um, it's just a real beauty. And when we're relaxed and we're in ease and we let go of this self and this clinging, um, there's a radiance. There's radiance, there's loving kindness, there's appreciation. The heart really opens and is available. And um, it's a very sweet, experience. And um, that too is nature and not me. You know, it's just, it's not us as much as the conditions have come together to create this ease, right? We can set some intentions and we can certainly create great environments for it to happen. And um, Sayadaw says, it's not you that has these experiences. It's the momentum of wisdom coming through you, of practice, of steady practice. And so um, the teacher, when I reported this beautiful state, I knew what the teacher was going to say. Those of you who have been on retreat, what do they say? Does anybody want to say what they say? They always say something about, you know, don't cling to it. It won't last. Right, it's, an, it's impermanent. It's not you. Don't get a big head. Right, and they didn't have to tell me that because by um, later in the day, you know, it's this beautiful, sweet, open field, and then something comes up, right? And you start the wheel all over again of suffering. So, um, so this is what came up for me. And, and um, something else that was different in this retreat is um, the teacher created this practice with us of uh, sitting at night together in the hall, starting at 7.15 and going through to about, I want to say, 9.15? Two hours of straight sitting, you know, little breaks, and if you're sleepy, stand up, you know. And he did this intentionally, and I thought this was brilliant. I was very excited about this. 
Um, I had never sat like that with a group at night. Usually there's a Dharma talk, and then they ask, invite you to sit or walk afterwards, which most people go to bed or, you know, whatever else they do. But here we were asked to really sit. And he said, I'm doing this because most of you are sleepy. You're tired. And it's hard to stay on your meditation object, like the breath, when you're tired and sleepy. And he said, that's good. If you have to fall asleep, fall asleep. If you lean over like this, do it, <laughs> right? If you dream, semi-dream, do it. Snore, snore, you know. Um, if you're just in a reverie, that's fine. Whatever happens, relax, you know. Relax, just watch it with a relaxed mind. Allow it to be as it is. And so every day I would go in the hall at 7.15, very sleepy. We're waking up early, it's high altitude, uh, there's hills to climb, you know, um, meditating all day. And I was like aversive to it in the beginning. Oh no, I'm never gonna, I'm just gonna sit here and hunch over and sleep. That's, you know, I'm gonna sleep, I'm gonna daydream, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna bring a pillow, you know. And actually he said bring a pillow. And you could lay down, but he had you keep your hand up to try to, all he wanted you to do was watch your sleepiness without judging it. Right? Just see it. See go your dream state. See yourself slunched over and allow it be calm and at ease. And we did that every day. And um, my aversion to being sleepy and off the meditation object and not being a perfect meditator like this, you know, <laughs> which is what I want to do on retreat. <laughs> One of my friends said uh, at the retreat, someone that I met, she said, you know, it really killed my thought of how I look as a good meditator, you know, because <laughs> she always had that, you know, I need to look like this, walk slowly, she said, oh, this is killing my self-image, my image, right, so, uh, so the aversion to not having a perfect meditation lifted, and this relaxation around sleepiness and dreaming and not being there and then being there and not being there really lifted. And the state of relaxation and ease was so beautiful and sweet. I haven't felt that relaxed in forever. You know, just taking off that wanting to be a certain way and allowing it to be how it was, so imperfect, was so sweet and delightful. And that my sleep in the evenings were never so deep. I mean, because there was no holding. Everything was calm. So I began to look forward to these evenings of um, nighttime meditation, this dreamy state in a group, and without pushing. And someone suggested that we sit outside and watch the full moon, the, the full moon rise up over the mountains. So they said, no, we're not doing it in the hall. We're all going out to the field, you know, bring a jacket and bring this and bring that, and we're going to watch the moon rise over the mountain. And here we go, folks. I was, 
no, 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 I need you back in the hall in my sleepy meditation, in the hall, not in the field. So here was this beautiful day where the mind didn't move and I felt like a still pond and I wasn't grasping or clinging and everything and the aversion and the grasping and the clinging was there again. You know, I was arguing again, you know, and then I became a me, a me who didn't want to wear a jacket. I didn't want to drag my cushion out. I didn't want to smell the grass. It made me sneeze. I didn't want to. It was cold. Why do I have to sit outside? I've seen a moon. How many times have I seen the moon? Why do I need to see the moon now? If I want to see the moon, I'll walk out and look at it. You know, It just went on and on. And I became a bundle, once again, of aversion. Like, what are these people? They have to be distracted by the moon? You know, <laughs> just the story. I was right. You know, and there went the still pond. So impermanence, once again, not myself, and more suffering. And when we are walking around watching what's watching, we get to, um, to really allow wisdom to run the show, right? We get to allow wisdom to run the show. We don't run it. Wisdom arises when we can see these things clearly. So, um, so, I was so excited I wrote like eight pages of things that I will not be saying. And <laughs> so, okay, so I'll give you another example in real life and then we'll end. We'll, we'll, we'll end this talk. Um, so when I got back, and I was no longer in a nature preserve filled with wild flowers and a rushing river, double rainbows and majestic scenery. Um, I was back in a psychiatry clinic in East LA. <laughs> I'm looking at my friend Julia. <laughs> um, 300 people coming through the doors and more problems and solutions, emails, you know. and. Um, so I get back and um, we teach a mindfulness class there, MBCT, and um, in a small room, and my partner and I training somebody, and um, it was kind of like that experience of the clear pond day, how wisdom plays hide and seek, you know, awareness plays hide and seek, and we need to accept that in our practice, right? That it's, it's the switch is on and off, hearts open, hearts close, right? So uh, we're waiting for the people to come, and the people start trickling in, and then they don't stop. There's like a parade of people, and the room is filling up, and there are no chairs, and now it's like a crowded subway. And apparently, the person who coordinated that group thought that we could fit 30 or 40 people in that room, so why not invite them, you know? It's just the number, so now we're trying to teach mindfulness. Think of a subway car in rush hour, right? We're, 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 this is the, the, the way this situation is. And uh, many of these people don't even know what mindfulness is or why they, their doctor told them to come. So, you know, and they're very uncomfortable. And, but, you know, clear pond. I'm just being with what is. Awareness is watching. And so let it go. Just allow it. So I'm very calm and, you know, just, okay. It's just like this. This is the moment. 
And we get through the class and we end with a meditation. Um, we do a long meditation. And some of these people have never meditated at all. And um, the minute they open their eyes, this is a true story, the fire alarm goes off and the lights start flashing. Nee, 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 nee. You, know, uh, you know, in office buildings when alarms go off, it's really crazy. And they're just coming out of meditation. And they're like, you know, they're all looking. And okay, you know, awareness is just like this. You know, little miss awareness here is like, Okay, so now we'll stand up and we'll calmly walk to the fire exit. So um, everybody gets up, gets their stuff, and then we realize that several of these people came for pain management, and they're in pain, and they now have to walk down four flights of stairs. And same thing, okay, awareness, we will meet it, there's no other option. And sure enough, sometimes when you allow things to be as they are, people came to help out of I don't know where, and we got down, and we all got down in one piece, and we all stood there, and things were calm. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm really good at this. You know? <laughs> I really didn't have that thought. But you know that, that like, oh, okay, awareness. And so then a colleague comes up to me and says, and she looked very upset. Well, did you read that email that was addressed to you and I, you know, the two of us? And I'm like, no, I was a little busy, you know. And then she proceeds to give me this email, right, that, that really evoked this sense of self, I, me, and mine. And the next thing you know, uh, awareness was not enough. <laughs> the grasping and clinging and the story making and the I and the mind. And, and, and in that moment, I really got to see how... Um, even our practice, who we are in our practice, what, who we take ourselves to be, there's an impermanence that's pervasive. It's coming, it's going, it's ethereal. And so all we get to watch is the mind. You know, all we get to watch is what's watching. That's what's there. So, so I'll stop here and... Um, this would be just for a moment to take a quiet moment, maybe closing your eyes, coming into a still position. And just asking very gently, very lightly, how is the body now? What do you notice? Do you notice that you have a body? Do you know that you're sitting? And where is the mind? What's coming up for you? Is the mind holding any tension? Is the body holding any tension? Notice the mind. And how do you know that there is a mind? Notice just what's coming up for you in this moment. And see if you could notice what's noticing. Noticing the awareness itself, knowing.
When you're ready, but slowly open your eyes. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.